richtig. Hello, welcome everyone. Uh, here's another podcast episode of the Startup Voyage. And today we are talking about um, funding for Web3 companies. I've titled this episode, Funding Unveiled, the Harsh Realities of Raising Capital in Web3, which it has been in this very, very long crypto winter. Uh, in, in this episode, uh, we dive deep into some of the challenges in the Web3 space and the industry itself continues to be booming. Uh, with innovation and promise, also harbors its share of harsh truths when it comes to raising capital. Uh, we'll break down these realities into three key areas, people, process, and technology, from the human elements influencing investment decisions to the intricate processes behind funding and the technological hurdles unique to Web3. This episode aims to shed light on what it really takes to secure financing backing in this rapidly evolving landscape. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned investor, or simply curious about uh, Web3 funding, this episode promises to provide valuable insights and real-world wisdom. Today, we have a guest, Robert Capodiecci, CTO of multiple projects and a blockchain evangelist, <laughs> uh, renowned for his strategic vision and technology. He's mastered uh, uh, driving corporate technical direction and delivering results. Uh, his expertise spans strategic planning, business intelligence, and team leadership with a deep focus on blockchain technology and decentralization. As a trusted partner in C-level decision-making, Roberto is dedicated to innovation and process improvement. Uh, and the reason why I'm having him here today is because he himself has gone through the arduous decision-making of uh, whether or not to fundraise, and he's got a lot of stories to share with us that will be valuable to my audience. So, uh, Robert, thank you for joining our show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes, yes. So I guess uh, just to get started, uh, maybe you can um, uh, give a little bit back about your recent project that how I found you about SimFly and uh, maybe a little bit of background of how that started. Sure. Um, yeah, as, as you introduced me, very beautiful introduction, actually. Thank you. I, <laughs> um, I am into this world, uh, Web3, blockchain, decentralization uh, since the oh. early, early days. I wrote the first uh, white paper in 2013, 2014 uh, about the use of uh, blockchain for document management for trade finance. So it's been evolving. And uh, I had uh, gone through a lot of, uh, of experience. Actually, I was during a sabbatical year, sabbatical year that I take, that I was just mentoring startups uh, where mm. I met uh, these four uh, people that this idea for this project for fly simulators. Honestly, when they told me the idea, I thought it was bunk, something that will never work. <laughs> and it's been uh, for me a huge lesson actually following them. Now I'm 20% owner of the company and I am actively working with them in this uh, plateware that is ethical, which is strange because usually plateware is synonymous to uh, Ponzi scheme <laughs> or scam, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, that's exactly 
one of the points where raising funds for projects that they have that are attached to some aspect of Web3, uh, like uh, it can be NFTs, uh, tokens, uh, or other things, it can become difficult because uh, of uh, the reputation, the unfortunate reputation that outside the world of Web3 itself, uh, this sort of uh, uh, project have, uh, you know, uh, raised. So it is a, a double challenge. So for Web3 project, uh, promoting and find, um, finding funds inside the Web3 community is yeah. easy. But right. uh, outside, when you bring the technology outside <clears throat> the world, the people here token, NFT, blockchain, a lot just run away and don't right. want to be associated. It's a strange, it's a strange planet. Okay, okay. So this is what I'm showing on the screen right now. This is SimFly. And um, so it's not real flying, right? <laughs> uh, it's it's through a flight simulator. Maybe you can explain sort of like uh, yeah. how it's gamified. I, I understand there's different missions that you can take and increase your level within this gaming. And how do you earn? Absolutely. Uh, this is a very interesting aspect and the decision that I made of uh, participating in this project, uh, even mm -hmm. though it's a delicate topic. For example, I've been into blockchain since really day zero and I never did an ICO. And people yeah. came to me, why? Because I never found them ethically sustainable. You know, like uh, there is a lot of things. So I don't want it to be confusing in that. In this case, uh, uh, play to earn have uh, the doubt that people put is like you cannot take out of a box more than you put inside the box. So the first <laughs> thought that comes is like when you have a, a container that can be a game and experience where people earn, where you find the funds to pay the people that earn if uh, not from people uh, entering the system. So that's why it is a very easy uh, conclusion to jump to, to say that uh, uh, these are uh, Ponzi schemes, which a lot are in fact. Yeah. In the case of Simfly, the beautiful thing is that uh, the public and the target is a very particular kind of target. So it's a niche, mm. which is people playing, not playing, people using fly simulators. It's okay. not a game. It's not a play because you cannot just sit and do one game until game over because if you <laughs> don't know all the small technicality of aviation, you cannot actually fly, right? Yeah. So it, it already limits the capacity to earn a token by having experience, having sometimes years of experience in this field and knowing mm. exactly how to move things, which mm. means uh, it's not something that you can put about to somebody moving the mouse very fast to earn tokens. It's not such thing, you know. Mm. It's, mm. it's really a job that, that requires competence, which makes a limitation on who can create tokens. Tokens are minted based on the people flying an airplane, you know, like if a, a pilot is getting a salary and giving this uh, economical layer where people can earn enough to buy an airport. And uh, with an airport, you can have a passive income. Every time somebody lands or take off, you can earn some uh, token as well with all the gamification of a collecting experience point to increase the level of your asset, et cetera, et cetera. So the technology of Web3, where NFTs are representing the assets, is actually a huge plus because give the freedom of people to take their asset, uh, resell them in the open market, or if somebody else build another platform where Simply Asset is accepted, they can actually shift in. Can you say you have a pilot license and you're a captain? There can be mm -hmm. a shop that sells uh, graphic cards for people with a fly simulator where you can prove that you're a captain in Simply, you get a discount. So the uh, freeing asset from a game 
so that people mm. can use them everywhere is a huge advantage uh, of uh, uh, the technology, right? Uh, so the big revolution of blockchain is to create uniqueness in a digital asset. So I could have an MP3 file and make 10 copies. I don't know which is the original, but I cannot make 10 copies of my Bitcoin because <laughs> it would be worth zero. So the use of the technology is actually improving a lot of the experience, mm. but at the same time, it brings with it uh, a reputation for people that is not in the field, that don't know the things, that scares people. It scares investors that mm. are not in the Web3 world. So is is a really uh, two-sided uh, aspect when uh, when I, uh, marrying this sort of technology. Though. Yeah. So um, SimFly itself, I think you did at one point, you were mentioned that you were considering going out to fundraise, right? Right. <laughs> um, what do you think the, like you just said, you know, sometimes when investors don't understand something, they get a little bit scared about it. Uh, do you, what do you think the investors' mindsets are when they're considering funding a Web3 project compared to a traditional tech startup? Do, do they, is there a difference? Yeah, absolutely, because I cannot blame people for staying away from uh, something that uh, has been several times mentioned inside the scams. Uh, <laughs> you know, from uh, the actual crypto exchanges, we had uh, exceptional cases of FTX and so on, from uh, wrong algorithm, Terra Luna, and in other Web3 project, uh, I've been so fortunate. I had a company for consulting called Blockchain Zoo. Mm. Somebody did the crypto zoo and was a scam. And now this zoo world has been kind of uh, <laughs> there. So uh, people think I am associated, which I'm not absolutely just a similar name. Right. But in <clears> fact, <throat> this is so strong that it can have this sort of repercussion. We've been mm. blessed in a way because uh, we failed. We were mm. really searching for an angel investor to put a little money to help us with the marketing. And that this would have given a big chunk of the company. We failed to find it. Uh, and you know, fantastic because the company is making like 10 times the money that we were searching and we didn't have to give away anything, you know, too bad for people that refused because they lost an opportunity, but would they know, you know, yeah. in fact, at the end, every investor should invest on the people more than the project because uh, the people are what you trust. But right. also there, there is a big trouble that a lot of people are very sweet talker. They sell themselves very well. And, uh, you know, at the end, they don't bring, you know, products. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like Sam Bakeman-Fried, right? He, he is a very good talker. He sold a lot of people. And um, he was almost like uh, the legitimate guy in crypto. And oh, everyone yeah. thought and trusted him, right? So I guess that's the point. Um, do you think it's changed a little bit? Because maybe uh, investors are maybe spending a little more time doing due diligence. Or maybe in the past... They're very, you know, uh, chasing after deals and they don't do, 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 do enough and then they just start putting their money in. Yeah, I lost, I lost quite some money as well, putting, you know, mm. 100,000 here, 200,000 there in projects mm. that uh, end up mm. uh, not being delivered. Uh, people buy themselves a house with the money and, uh, <laughs> you know, would I know what I can do? Now I spend enough more money to sue them or go after them. It will be, that's why probably organized investors are, you know, more prepared than the improvised one, which I suggest everybody not to, like, unless it's family and friends. Uh, and uh, analyze uh, the use case of the project. 
Web3 or not? Does it make sense? Would people adopt it? What are the opportunities? Would you as an investor use this thing? And also, is the person doing the project really need the money? Because if I'm making a project and I have the money to invest, why? and I believe in the project, why would I ask money outside? I put my own money. I will make more return at the end of the day. So there are a lot of questions that people should ask themselves. Why are they searching for an investor? What is the gap they need to, you know? I'm a strategic in, in the investment. I provide money, but I provide also connection to. So where is the return I can I can give? So the technology in the use case are absolutely something to analyze. I see a lot of projects that don't have any use case, just a cool idea, but yeah. with, with no problem to solve. And those are very risky, though. Right, right, right. So I'm sure if we really looked at every single project, we can categorize them in different uh, uh, approaches strategically. So I can imagine uh, someone has a great idea. Uh, they they socialize it. It seems like something that would be attractive to the market or s- solving some problem. Um, the founder then goes out and says, I'm going to get some angel funding, puts a, puts a pitch deck together. Maybe he doesn't so much believe that it can happen or they have their own money. Probably they don't want to risk it. So they go out and get, you know, money out. So I think that what are the misconceptions? Like when an entrepreneur starts a business you know, for whatever reason, and they're facing investors, um, what, what is the expectations that they want, they get in return? Because like you said, they take a lot of the percentage of the company. So yeah. Right. I have a friend that actually started something amazing. I'm not going to do names, but, uh, hmm. and he started getting rounds and rounds and rounds. And at the end of the things, the company was huge, but the guy had less than 1% left for himself. Wow. So at that point, he's no more motivated. So on the investor side, I had a discussion in Dubai recently, the flu just for this to uh, support the project. This person was giving money, but they wanted to have like 90% of their project. So yeah. at the end of the day, I was like, look, which is the motivation I have, yeah. me and partners, to work on something that is not ours anymore, right? Uh, so you need to keep uh, the person motivated uh, so you can invest, but you need to be sure that this person has all the reason to make this thing a success. In, mo- in multiple ways, right? There is something to lose. <laughs> there is uh, something to gain. And, uh, you know, uh, that, that's the motivation that has to stay there because greed usually brings to failure of uh, on both sides, right? Right, right, right. I, I guess in your experience, uh, you had mentioned... Uh, Apologies. That's right. Really. So you've mentioned before about uh, investing in projects. Like, uh, so investors themselves... Is there a specific bias that they might have towards looking at a Web3 project? Like, is there already some mis- uh, misconceptions about Web3 projects or what it what it means to be a Web3 project? Uh, do you think, you know, there's still confusion in the investor community? I do believe that's pretty much a, a lot of magic words are misleading and uh, people may have uh, confusion in terms of... Uh, uh, ah, it's got, it's blockchain is going to work. You know, there are, yeah. we have this wave. I remember when, uh, uh, websites were, uh, you know, long time ago, you know, everybody need to have one else, <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, so there was strange investment. I think uh, that there is uh, this sometime wave of uh, investment towards the things that uh, do not make much sense in a, in mm. a way. 
So as an investor, I know that uh, the cost, that's why there is these strange things. Angels investor have the most difficult work because uh, mm. you need to do due diligence in something that has not the base, no basis to do due diligence on. Second round investors that uh, they have in front of a company that already has uh, the, to analyze that this is something consistent that, uh, that is valid and, and, and work. So the risk is less. Strangely mm. enough, uh, right? <laughs> so in, in the moment that somebody's approached, uh, need to keep the keep keep the cool you know don't don't get excited because the other person on the other side is excited don't uh, uh, fall for the fomo uh, yeah. they say the fear of missing out because uh, oh something i'm going to lose this opportunity things like this you know i i have a podcast where i talk about the financial scam how people mm. fall for financial scams and it's all always based on rush they want mm. to rush people to take decision without leaving the time to think. If when you invest, you fall into the mechanics of having mm. to rush to invest because only three days left, only, you know, probably leave it because uh, there is a danger that, uh, you know, you don't think well enough, you don't do your analysis, so it's better right. to let it. Also, is that is that a best practice? If someone is going asking for money and if they're, pressuring you to hurry, make a decision and say, oh, I've got, you know, 10 other investors and, you know, the first one in gets the, you know, the best deal. Uh, I guess that's a red flag. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, there is no such thing, right? If, if somebody really has the opportunity, open the doors to all of them. So it's really no, no such thing like, oh, you missed the opportunity. And if it is, good luck to you. Meaning that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that there is, must be pondered very, very well. Yeah. I, I, I've been surprised how, and also for an investor, it's important to, to ask yourself, am I ready to support to the end this thing? Meaning, mm. Is just one token one time and uh, good luck or not? Yeah. Or I'm going to be there monitoring what's going on, uh, pushing the people to do the things, uh, ask information. And when I see that I should add some little money to make sure something succeeds, I'm ready to do so without falling into the fear of uh, keep adding money as I lose the money that I put in before, which is, uh, you know, the, the classic casino slot machine <laughs> mechanics that drive people in. So there are this, this aspect. On, term, on terms of uh, what is the business that I am financing about, uh, the, the real question is something is really something useful. I, I am surprised, really surprised how people go after things that doesn't say anything. There's a lot of big words that don't have an actual practical solution rather than going to the farmer that doesn't speak very well, uh, you know, in the language that has, but has a very good point. You know, I put a plant and I sell it because they needed to eat, you know, like, which is a guaranteed sort of business in terms of technology and web three. There are things that are necessary. There are things that are non-necessary, right? So a game is non-necessary. It's an additional yeah. thing. So that's, that's why the reasons in fly seems not a good opportunity for an investor. Because do you know somebody playing with fly simulator? Nobody knows because these people don't have a social life. They stay at home <laughs> because with their things. But at the same time, it's a fantastic target because these mm. people spend a lot of money because a computer powerful mm. enough to run a fly simulator is a very expensive computer. There is mm. always to buy new stuff uh, and new accessories. So these people spend tens of thousands of dollars on their instrument to do this. Which wow. means that when they get into a game, they ask $50. Those are nothing. Okay. So yeah. it's not like asking $50 to somebody that uh, spend them in a month to survive, you know, like, so it's really an analysis of who are 
the people that uh, purchase the service or purchase the solution and which is uh, the profile of these people, you know, which is the power of the business. So it's interesting. Microsoft celebrated uh, one year ago 10 million active pilots on their flight simulator, Microsoft flight simulator. 10 million people that is there spending every week several hours on this activity. And so this is a target that is very beautiful for a niche, right? But it's harder for an investor to think that we've been lucky about that, but it's hard for an investor to understand the opportunity, right? It's, it's difficult. So right. when somebody starts with a business with the idea that he wants to be financed, wants to be invested, he should study something that is easy to understand and straightforward for an investor. So generally sticker knowledge, uh, common sense would approve it. When right. somebody does something because they want to make a good and because they know specifically, then, uh, you know, forget about investors or, you know, it's going to oh. be difficult to find them, in my opinion. All right. So from I, I spoke with one investor before who was saying that um, when they look at projects, they sometimes are there's a gap in knowledge for sure uh, and understanding, you know, it, you can't just say blockchain. Well, what, what are you solving with you know, the use yes. of blockchain? So, um, and also if they're looking at the code, they don't, they don't even know what they're looking for. So he was asking me, Oh, do I know someone that can do code audit and kind of help verify part of the due diligence? Uh, I guess in, in that respect, in that knowledge gap and you as a CTO, um, how do you, what would your definition be for a project that claims to be a web three project? Like what characteristics make it a web three project? Yeah. That's a very good question because the, the <laughs> definition is so wide that pretty much everything. <laughs> but one thing you said before is very important to underline it. I think uh, calling a consultant to validate something, it can save you a lot of money mm. and a lot of time. I've been doing this as a person consulting to validate that the project was good or there was something behind the piece of paper for the, you know, claim. And, mm. uh, and this really is, is, is very important. Now, for the definition of Web3, uh, that's a very complex uh, aspect, I think. I think in general, uh, we are moving in the era of information technology. We come out of the industrial era, we enter in the era of information. We went from digitizing analog content, uh, from transmitting it online, uh, to actually selling services in this world. I do believe that... Uh, what web was uh, as a key basic definition was the in a passive way. I have uh, HTML, it was hyperlink uh, test markup language, right? Which allow me to go from a website that is talking about various things and mention a tree. There is a link and I go to a website where they talks about this tree a lot. Now in this paradigm, I can be anybody. Doesn't matter. I go through the web without my identity following me. Web three is pretty much the same thing. But my identity follows me wherever I go. And my accessory, my assets follow me wherever I go, being them compatible or not. This is the key difference between uh, the before <laughs> and, mm. the, and the after, right? And to have uh, uh, my identity following me wherever I go, I need an underlying technology, an underlying platform, which can be blockchain, to support uh, the uniqueness. You know, blockchain revolution is... Uh, as I was saying before, having a unique asset in the digital world, right? I cannot make the copy of uh, the Bitcoin. I cannot make the copy of my identity in the same way. So, and I cannot make the copy of my assets. If I sell them, they don't belong to me anymore. So this uh, 
when I visit a website that can be three-dimensional virtual reality, but can be just a normal website where I bring my identity with me and it's the same that I use somewhere else, no a different username and password for each website. This is Web3, in my opinion. Mm. So is the possibility to decentralize, distribute, maintaining a key element along all the places I visit. That's the, the my vision, my understanding <laughs> of, of Web3. Can be metaverse, can be not, can be cryptos, can be not, doesn't really matter. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, I want to go back to the whole point of, um, you know, auditing the code of a project for investors to validate it. Um, I think the most important part also, especially with all the hacks that have happened in this industry, is code uh, security audit, right? And I think mm, I spoke to somebody in the space where they had uh, got some quotes for an audit and it was like $40,000. It's quite expensive. Right. So I think a lot of um, businesses don't want to put out that money, but it is very important. Um, so what do you think is the best uh, place to go for like a, an audit like this? Chat GPT? <laughs> no, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm talking honestly. If you yeah, think yeah. in the year, I think the word, uh, you know, we have a calendar before Jesus Christ and after Jesus Christ. I think we need to another one before ChatGPT and after ChatGPT, which is close to the pandemic as well as divider. Yeah. I think this a company that were doing audit as yeah. a service for other on smart contract is the biggest auditing things because smart contract are the mm. key, even though we talk about generic code auditing for security for sure mm. they publish smart contract they end up failing the dao is the first big example right <laughs> that yes. we, we may remember that company was doing auditing for third parties can you imagine in their own code that fails so mm. what is the guarantee that somebody is a beauty mark that you put in your website. They say we've been audited by, you know, yeah. because if he says it is good, it's good. <laughs> Truth is that uh, humans fail. And yeah. uh, human fail. every code that is at zero day, there is an, you know, things need to be updated. Smart contracts were condemned to the fact to be immutable, right? <laughs> because if you can change a smart contract, then what's the point to have a smart contract, put everything in a central server? You know, in fact, I don't like people. So, oh, because we can change then the trust need to be on the person at this point, put in a central server. Anyways, uh, I do believe that uh, it's important to see the architecture, see the logic, uh, and but the flow specific on some library that people use to make a code, uh, those are uh, close to impossible because they're given as good you know, if I can mm. discover all those uh, vulnerabilities and I am multimillionaire in two days because, you know, I will be selling them online or uh, warning people to fix their code. So that architecturally wise, the analysis is very important. Uh, mm. Logical protocol wise, absolutely to be done. Code wise in, to a certain extent, but it's impossible to guarantee that something is, uh, you know, immune from, uh, from attacks. Right. In the term of blockchain, there is an interesting aspect. A blockchain is made by many nodes in a peer-to-peer -peer network. <clears throat> so the first things to see is that every node has not to be identical to all the others, because if there is a vulnerability, you take down the full. Mm. So it's important that a, a protocol is being implemented in many different ways by different teams and is compatible because of the protocol, but there are many different versions of the software. So if one has a vulnerability, you can take down a piece of the network, which is not a big deal, but you don't take down the full network. So that's uh, when people go in layer one, this is a very, very, very important aspect to consider. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of uh, new layer ones being built and also layer twos. Um, 
you know, how does an investor decide, like, you know, which ones? I mean, I see a lot of projects supporting multiple different I, I, chains. Yeah. The, the blockchain that you use can be pivoted one from the other. It doesn't matter. The investor shouldn't really care about, ah, an amazing idea. It's going to make million. Ah, but you use the blockchain. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't invest. I don't think that's the case. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it, that's just, uh, uh, it's like to say, I, I, I don't know, like uh, to, to make an analogy, I would yeah. now, uh, buy a house, but uh, don't buy because the color of the walls inside are not the color I like. You know, I can paint it over. That's, that's not a big deal. What is important is the use case. Why these mm. things should be selling? Why people should use it? Uh, that's important. That behind there is uh, Polygon or Ethereum, but the fees are too high in Ethereum. Or we do our own. That doesn't really matter. You, you fix those things. Those problem problem can be fixed without a major issue. Unless we're right. talking about an angel investor in a startup project, you know, mm. if the project is big and important, that's irrelevant, in my opinion. Okay. Um, so when it comes uh, just on the same theme of like building the tech for a project, um, how do the the complexities of the technical side of Web3 projects impact um, the ability to attract investors? Because, you know, like you said, <clears throat> if they don't understand, do do they only invest because maybe their their friends in the industry have also invested? Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think these complexities make it harder to attract investors? Well, as an investor, if I want to go down the level of uh, asking questions about technology, I will need to understand first the objective of the, the project. But in mm. general terms, mm. I want the team to use uh, uh, languages, uh, libraries, and systems that are very widely known. Mm. So in case a developer drops out, a new one comes in and can take over easily because the worst thing is customize code, uh, customize yeah. uh, systems that the only three people know. And <laughs> when, uh, you know, in the case, uh, you know, people can be blackmailed by the developer because this goes away, we, we need to start from zero. So yeah, it's important. As an investor, I want to assure that my money are used to build uh, uh, redundancy in terms of uh, in, in developers, uh, developing team. I want to make sure that things are stable and can get to delivery and uh, and not just uh, you know a one man show you know that's that's an important thing so, so do you believe uh, just just a just a thought that i had with all the projects that were funded in 2022 it's <laughs> like in one year or 20 how many of those projects do you think have like some quality code. I was, or... I was thinking your question was with all the projects being found in 2022, how many Ferrari and Lamborghini have been sold? <laughs> That's another question too. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the, you know, that, that, that's, that's something interesting because, uh, uh, the code, uh, one more time, unfortunately, it is, I, I, I say this and I get an idea when I say it. You can have crappy code, but if you deliver something, you are delivering it even. Then you fix yes. the code later, right? <laughs> so what is more important is always the same thing. Is something I'm making something that people want? Is what I'm making shaped on what people tells me they want? Mm. You know, because then the code underneath, I think the ideal project to build something with tape and stuff attached and when it's mature, it has enough money to restart from zero with experience done and code the perfect piece of software because it's impossible unless uh, 
you know, if I have $10 million on the side, I can really work in steps. I have no rush in delivering and I can really do the analysis, uh, all the architecture, all the market research, et cetera, et cetera, and comes out with a good product. But in reality, it is happening very rarely, you know, unless you're a big corporation. So what you mm-hmm. do, you, you have little resources. Uh, you do what is simple. Unfortunately, also programming language uh, where you have a lot of developers, are those simple programming language means that they are high level, means that they consume a lot of resources. Hardly mm-hmm. somebody start making their Web3 service coding in C compiled mm-hmm. for the server, right? Everybody use uh, Golang, Python, Rust, course, yeah. which, uh, you know, Rust is really a little better in terms of uh, yeah. consumption of processor, but there are a lot of languages that are easy and there are a lot of people. I remember when there was this wave of Ruby on Rail. Everybody with Ruby on Rail was really super high <laughs> level, you know. So the, the idea is that... Uh, mm-hmm. That doesn't matter at the beginning. So mm. starting with the proof of concept, uh, with MVP, all the process to go even to a product that is delivered, build it uh, that is stable, but uh, maybe the code is crap on the server. Mm. You need a very big server. Facebook, I think, uh, when it started and uh, exploded immediately super well, was coded in PHP and they had a full building full of server, then has been recorded and in just three server in one room was running the same amount of things, right? Mm. But probably, you know, they needed to go through the path in order to optimize the code. So the investment to make good code cannot be done at day zero unless there is a lot of money and there is no rush in mm. delivering. So that's, you know. So, so I guess, yeah, yeah. So that goes back to the whole challenge then of, uh, or the harsh truth about fundraising. So if you're after investors who are looking for – investors, look, if they want to know their time frame on when they can exit. Correct. Right. <laughs> right? Some can last longer than others, and, and some are willing to allow, or wait longer than others. Mm. But even in, in the crazy times with the ICOs, even after that, I've met a lot of investors who are looking for projects who are uh, planning a token generation event. Why? Because they know they can cash out quickly yeah. in a in a matter of time. They don't. And speed to market is important. It's not speed to revenue. It's just speed to uh, realize their profits. Those yeah. are Ponzi schemes for me. If you think about it, the definition of it, you know, like uh, pay the first with the money of the seconds, because the, really that's that's what it is. Right. I'm allergic to those things. I mean, <laughs> surely it's easy way to make money if you mm. know that the person who's organizing a very good pre-sale and then a nice good pump and then big pump mm. and then uh, some somebody paid for it. I find it unethical, honestly, mm. and. Uh, actually unmoral. Yesterday, the conversation with the lawyer, they told me the difference between ethical and moral. Ethical <laughs> means to comply with the law. So maybe okay. some, something is ethical, but it's not moral to do it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so the correct definition is unmoral. And uh, in, in these terms, uh, probably those things are a good opportunity. I know that people that want to make money doesn't look in the face of anybody, but I want to go sure. sleep in the night uh, with my heart that says I never damage anybody right so in in those terms the kind of investment uh, probably are good but uh, i will never be the one suggesting methodologies or other things i stay away from from those things so those talking event uh, drops and things uh, if it's advertisement yes if it's really a money movement uh, i mean i never did it for a good reason not that i don't know how to do it you know sure. they did it, sure. but it's something that i don't want i believe yeah. in a good product 
that can generate good revenue because mm. people is happy to pay for it. Look, look at something like uh, I had no doubt to give $20 a month to ChatGPT because my advantage in working, speeding up processes, mm. in getting document ready in a flash is what if they ask me $100 a month, I give them. If they ask me $200 a month, I'm going to start saying, ah, you know, I live in Indonesia, secretary, I can pay for the money. But ChatGPT is much better than a secretary in those terms. So, uh, you know, when you have an offering of something that people really use and they become addicted to it because really is important for them, there's no discussion about investing, in my opinion. Web3, no Web3, the technology is behind things. Does really matter? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there, there is, and I think it's correct. There was a guy with the cell phone and I asked him, there is internet? He says, no. And then I see he's doing Facebook in his cell phone. So you're doing Facebook. There is no, this is Facebook. is no internet, right? <laughs> because <laughs> people don't know what there is behind what they are using. And they shouldn't yeah. even care at the end, you know? So, I mean, culturally, you should know and care. But in a certain term, when you use your home banking from your cell phone, do you know the server architecture that is behind what guarantees your security? No, you trust the bank that they do the things properly. So yeah. if a project uses blockchain rather than centralized server, makes a difference for me as a final user. I want to use the advantage of what the service has been given to me. That's what needs to be analyzed. That behind yeah. this blockchain is a fancy, nice terms to sell more. Right. Okay, but uh, it's not really the key of why a project is going to be successful, right? right, right. Actually, blockchain is a pain in the butt because you need to save your private keys. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's very complex to manage uh, compared to just a classic uh, SSO or login uh, in, a, in a website. So it's to be considered by an investor not to fall for this uh, fascinating underground that there is behind the service. That's relatively important. It's what the user <laughs> wants and what yeah. the company is selling that are keys, in my opinion. Good point, good point. Um, hey, Robert, can, I'm going to pause for one second. I think I someone at my door, and I just want to make sure it's a delivery or something like that. Sure, sorry sure. about that. Go ahead. No I'll be right back. Right back. Sure. We can edit that out. Yeah, sorry. Also, my <laughs> wife uh, ringing my phone earlier. Sorry. No worries about that. No worries about that. Okay, yeah. So, um, all right. So then, look, I, I think uh, that that's what we're talking about fundraising in Web3. And I believe even today, uh, what's still happening is because liquidity is so tight and I don't think that um, cheap money is going to be there. Obviously, it's going to, you know, not like it was in the past. So there's still people out there doing token launches uh, or some IDO. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I ask these people, why are you doing it? Well, they can access the capital if they can. It's a choice. And I guess to your point, morally, they don't care about where the where the money comes from, yeah. right? All the retail investors, just as long as they secure the capital to do whatever they need to do to survive and and or build to buy the Lamborghini, as we were yeah, saying, <laughs> exactly right. So I, I guess the the behaviors of these investors, the retail investors as well, they're they're all part of the the whole game. I think it's no secret that a large part of the population. Um, they they are investing in these projects. Why? Because they want that 5x in 
a week, whatever it is, right? Um, and it's still happening. Do you think it'll ever stop? As I was saying, I do this podcast on people falling for, uh, <laughs> you know, financial scam when somebody calls you and say, hey, you won uh, something or, you know, the desire of dreaming that uh, something can happen immediately when you also see it happening. That's why people keep buying mm. scratch lotteries or lottery tickets, you know, <laughs> like uh, at, this, as, at the same time, you know, I'm not saying now that everything is a bad thing. Usually the last are the one to lose. I think that this wave of uh, what was the ICO, this token lines of any sort uh, is on the phasing closing end. And mm -hmm. uh, people should realize that, uh, you know, unless they really are close to the project and can be there at the beginning, there are little chances uh, that <laughs> things go <laughs> the way. And after all, for this on the other side, on the startup side, okay, if somebody has a project that can self-finance, so just come out with MVP and start selling this base or collect some uh, promise. Like if I want to open a cafe, I can pre-sell coffee cards and coffee for half the price uh, and I sell 1000 and I can finance my coffee opening. But mm. not because these people are going to do bumps and dumps on my coffee cards, right? <laughs> because there is an actual final use on this. Uh, then there's a path to do. And uh, it's also a slow growth, uh, bring more stability in the long term. Something that grows fast in one month easily falls down in a month. Something that took a year to establish its level, it can take big hit and remain, you know, at level for longer. So it's more a better foundation, more stability. So on the side of an investor, when you arrive to a point that an investor can be interested, say, look, we're cash positive, we're cashing in $20,000 a month, which is not big, but with this, we covered the expenses. Now, if we can have half million, we probably can employ two people more, we can put yeah. the advertisement. And if it makes sense, why not? You know, yeah. what is slowing me from getting more customers? I have these blocks that will take them months. With some money, can take five, and I can share the revenue with somebody else. I catch the right. moment as the kind of investment that makes more sense, you know. Yeah, well, well, tell me about your story then. This is a great segue into that, right? You were faced on a decision, should we raise money and try to find ways to build revenue? So tell so, your yeah. story, yeah. Practically, uh, I met these uh, four guys they had uh, some money because they sold one part of another business that they had. And they've been so unfortunate to give this. Uh, they were thinking that one consulting company from a country that I'm not going to mention, but not their own, would actually build everything for them. And in generally, in good faith, they sent uh, almost all the money that they had to these people. Mm. And uh, these people disappeared, never <laughs> delivered. Actually, even they dragged it for months of making these people waste even more time. So when I arrived in mentoring them, they were broke uh, with the idea that was confused. They wanted to do something that was not really correct. And uh, they self-financed in terms that uh, they all worked uh, their butt off, sorry for the French, but uh, <laughs> without uh, paying themselves a salary, which is a, an investment, right? Because if I had money, I would give me myself 3,000 euro a month or $3,000 a month, whatever it is, and working without getting that, but working means full time every day, eight hours uh, or more even, uh, including weekends sometimes. This is a way to invest, not money, but equivalent of money, right? What money could purchase, could buy. And this went to the point that... Uh, <laughs> We were, I mean, I put uh, to get my side, I put uh, also money into this company, which immediately got to cover the couple of expenses that were in one year of work. Uh, this was something built uh, and ready to be delivered, but the tension was so high 
because money were not there. And that's why we will start searching for an investor to help uh, put some advertisement out because we had no idea how much are we worth. We don't know. You don't know. You can just come up with the idea and number. But at this point, uh, we failed because we didn't find an investor because we were not, you know, beautiful for an investor, I guess. But guess what? We opened our shop for assets one day, planning to start the sale, a 50% discount to, you know, people that invest in you at the day zero, they are really people you need to treat very well because they trust mm. your project because there is nothing there yet, right? One week later, the opening. But the same day that we opened, the same day in a few hours, $10,000 came in in sales. People that uh, didn't even wait one week uh, to go. And uh, and we started with several hundred people that already follow us because we share about the project on when we were building it. Now we have 8,000 people registered to our website. And we launched the first stable version of the first some things at the 1st of January this year. So we've been covered. But uh, you, I can sit in front of the email and see new order, new order. New order. Nice. They really arrive uh, not even one minute after the other. And uh, with this money, we've been able to put five people at work with us. Uh, we can nice. be able to build more stable things. And thank God we didn't have to give away anything uh, of the of the shares of the company. Mm. Uh, so obviously, tomorrow comes somebody and want to invest. We're never going to say no, but we want to mm. understand very well. And the ticket is going to be way bigger than it was when we had a question mark on top of our head. <laughs> and now we have something that is worth already a lot. Meaning, yeah. even if we do an exit today, it comes out, somebody want to buy the old company, we're going to go walking home very happy because, uh, yeah. you know, the, the value just for the money that it generates yeah. today and the potential of tomorrow are incredible. So, sure, uh, sure. And I guess that, um, uh, that's the whole point. When you can start showing revenue, you can ask for a lot more money, but give up less of your company potentially, right? So I think that's a huge benefit. But right now, you guys are doing well, so that's that's great. It must be a, a tough decision at some point uh, because you want to grow the company fast as well. Yeah, the model that we're using can be applied to many other things. So mm. we have opened the door between ourselves to once this is established and stable to start and doing the same thing with the old experience we are on something else. Personally, I had nothing to do with Flight Simulator in my life. My, I, as, as of today, if I sit in front of Flight Simulator, I have no idea what to touch. You know, I, <laughs> I'm there for the technology, all the web three aspect. Uh, and, uh, yeah. um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, like uh, I don't see my life with this business <laughs> in the long term. I'm right. super happy to be a shareholder and I'm right. so sure that this thing is going to generate a lot of revenue. I believe that uh, this will be something that I share with any startup. If you start making good money, yeah. put the right people at the right place. Don't think you are the best CEO in the world. For sure, there is a professional yeah. person that can cover the role, the mm. CTO. Put some professionals in the right key position. Trust them. You know, when people is professional, they aren't going to cheat you. They, they get paid well. They do their job. And then they can grow the company for you. You stay in the board. You give the vision, the direction, and leave to somebody else mm -hmm. the, the direction, the, the action to get to the direction. When things are established and money are enough. I think a lot of company went down because... Uh, the same kid that did the startup was also the CEO. These uh, things that became too big, and that's not a good idea, in my opinion. Right, right, okay. So I guess um, if we summarize a lot of the 
topics that or questions that I had asked you in 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 our conversation, I believe we can simply say that you know Web three is no different than many other industries in a in a sense that um, the human behavior of greed always exists. And I don't think it'll ever go away. So there might not be ICOs, but there will still be some token generation or airdrop that's going to draw people in, which um, uh, will will entice people to to put their money out there. Uh, it, it probably still happens today. Real estate properties. Uh, there's probably many stories of like yeah. new new developments. You know, invest here, and then those development companies run away. Uh, multi-level marketing uh, products. You know, there's a lot of different stuff for fast money. Why do you Why do you think that is? What is this? You know, obsession with you know fast money. You know, fast life. Buy things <laughs> faster. <laughs> who, who doesn't want that, right? <laughs> who doesn't want that? Unfortunately. You know, and, and sometimes it's people that really put their life savings in these things. And, uh, yeah. you know, if an investment is a risky thing, always mm. you invest, the business can go well or bad. You know, that's not something you cannot pretend the money back if the business goes well, because that's a loan. It's not an investment, right? But, uh, people should never do something that put a risk of their own well-being, right? Yeah. So never invest more than you can <laughs> lose, right? And if it goes well, better, but it is. <laughs> yeah. it's, I think that is the summary of uh, investments in general, right? So I think, yeah, yeah of course, you're not going to want to put, you know, all your life savings into something because you're going to need it just in case the investment falls through. So, yeah, never invest more than you can afford to lose is, you know, what I think I've been hearing a lot yeah, of people. This, yeah, it's worth more in Web3, worth uh, the blockchain <laughs> things because it's moving faster, you know, like with the real right. estate plan, you lose your money in three years. Yeah, <laughs> well, you can lose your money in three days, but the concept is identical. Uh, you know, so reputation of the people you're investing to that's the key things. So how many successes were in the past, uh, how much this person is establishing this uh, industry. I'm really planning to do this uh, database, uh, like a uh, sort of LinkedIn, but with proven fact, you know, like uh, you claim to be an expert of uh, whatever. Show me that <laughs> in the past 10 years you've been working this thing. Now, today, everybody's an AI expert, everybody uh, became an expert. Yes. Show me the seven years ago you were working with AI. Then I can trust you. If you became an AI expert <laughs> only six months ago, then thank you very much. I don't trust you, you know. So it's, it's important to look who you're investing to. Don't fall for sweet words, you know, like yes, beautiful yes. talking, beautiful promises, but look at facts. And that yeah. this is apply everywhere. Web3 even more because things move, move fast, right? Yes. So, uh, That's a perfect way to summarize it, Robert. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, our time on this episode. Thank you so much. And congratulations on <laughs> earning revenue. <laughs> so, hey, so that concludes this episode of the Startup Voyage podcast. I would like to thank all of you for listening to this episode. And I'd really appreciate it if you leave any type of comments um, that you'd like to share because it helps to feedback on how I deliver um, these podcasts. 